Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 62 of season three of This Osteopathic Life. There's been a bit of a pause since the last episode, and given that it included rest in there, I'd like to report back that I have been incorporating rest in different ways. Actually, in these last two weeks, I took complete rest days from exercise, which is unusual for me. Normally, I will have what you would call active recovery days, and so while I might not be doing the same intensity of a workout, I might swim or bike or run or do something that is more, I'd say casual, that's the word that's coming through that doesn't seem appropriate, but just a different stimulus and let that count. But there have been days where I just completely took the time away from exercise. And I was speaking with a friend who was concerned with that, right? That's not normal. That's not what you would usually do. Is everything okay? And I said, actually, I think it indicates that I'm truly tuning in and listening and giving myself the grace and space to totally pause. And I'll say that those active recovery days are by choice. They're what feels right in those moments. I can also see that inner voice, maybe hear that inner voice is more accurate, saying, do something, right? Do something today. And to be able to just say, no, it's okay. I'm tired and I am honoring that with rest feels like me listening to that episode on rest and resistance and letting it be, right? letting rest just be enough all on its own. And as you might hear, there's a little bit of a graveliness. I often think about Phoebe and her jazz voice in a friend's episode. And I've had a cold, tested negative for COVID in this time. And so it's been difficult to speak for prolonged intervals in a smooth, non-interrupted way. I think we'll be okay here today. I'll use the pause feature when recording as needed. That was also a reason that I took some space between. And finally, this is just the time when this episode is emerging. This concept has been with me throughout the majority of these two weeks, but not quite ready. As I've shared before, these concepts come through, sometimes they spend more time in that incubator space, and then they come out in the way that they're meant to on the day that they are meant to. And we are now in essentially this final week, week in a couple of days of season three for This Osteopathic Life. And my goal is to record this and one more episode, which will bring us to 63, kind of a nice number in there, on the season. And then we will begin season two on the 1st of February. So that's where we are. A bit of a recap, a bit of a check-in from these two weeks away. There have been some great conversations episodes. One is actually also going up today. I encourage you to listen to that. And we will round out this season in a thoughtful way. Now, if you looked at the title of the podcast as it came up for you, you will see Fire and Shadow. And if we think about all the different names of the podcasts in the theme of this osteopathic life of being for the health of all things, that one might give you pause. 
And I've thought about it in a number of different ways. And actually, because particularly of the inspiration for it, it really speaks to that idea that health is actually all around, being for the health of all things and seeing where it can actually emerge, where we might not expect to find health or be with and of the health. It's a totally appropriate title and experience that we are going to walk through today. Now, if you've been listening to recent episodes and experiences, you might have a guess on the inspiration from which this is drawn. I'll give you a minute. What's your best guess? You can write it down, jot it down, send it to me. Let me know if you thought of it before my announcing of it here. And I'll share with you that this concept, that this perspective comes from having watched very recently the extended version of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And there are a couple scenes that this references for me. Now, I am not a Tolkien expert. There are certainly many different interpretations and iterations of this, and that's the beauty, right? That's the beauty of seeing the purpose of this. Now, for those who are scholars and have very specific understanding and an in-depth knowledge of the whys and the hows and the depth of meaning in these amazing books and in the movies that they have been produced, I'm not claiming to transcend any of the expertise, but putting this through the lens of how it has resonated for me in the current moment. And so I encourage you to consider it and have your own interpretations and see how always art and literature can inspire, can reflect to us our own life experience and give us a new perspective as well. So I'll start with the one that seems perhaps more obvious and one that actually I've discussed multiple times with my children, particularly with my daughter in this. And as I shared, she was such a fantastic co-watcher of these films and her insights, her ability to predict and what she has brought up afterward on what really resonated with her has been so inspiring to see. So thinking about fire and shadow in this film and the scene with Gandalf on the bridge with the Balrog, the demon. And we're seeing all the fire in that moment. And so starting there and seeing that conflict and challenges can often happen with great intensity. And they can feel very threatening in that active moment. And the foe, right, the the enemy can seem so large and so daunting and otherworldly, right, literally in this moment. And we might think, how could right, this be overcome? And seeing in that moment how also interestingly this giant foe saved them from the acute enemy of all the orcs, which again in number volume seemed pretty unlikely for them to defeat. So they stand there and they're threatened by these many thousands of individual enemies. And it can seem, right, that this small collective stands no chance in this moment, in this great hall. And it is the threat of this greater demon that drives all of those smaller but very voluminous enemies away. And so interestingly, what is a great threat saves them in that acute moment. And what times in our lives do we face many small daunting threats? And that might be 
on a simple level, and I'm going to use that word cautiously, judiciously, however you want to see it. So let's think about all the tasks we might face, right? We often find ourselves in overwhelm. And it can seem like there is no way I'm going to get all of these things done. And yes, I'm giving us a moment to allow laundry and dishes and bills and other tasks to be like orcs surrounding us in the great hall. And then there can be a very daunting, much larger, much more unexpected and otherworldly foe. For some, it can be a tragic life event, perhaps a major diagnosis or a significant loss. And all of those other acute tasks just fall away, right? They run away, right? They just lose priority because this other, much more significant issue is at hand. And now the other pieces don't necessarily go anywhere. There are still dishes in the sink and laundry to be folded, but the dauntingness of it, the threat of it shifts, right? The priority and the scale just change it. So it seems like, yes, Right, that may be something to have to face. Right, the orcs do come back later in the film multiple times, but at the same time, refocusing and recalibrating to what actually requires our attention holds the most power in that moment. That we have to resolve ourselves to face in a different way simply shifts that perspective. So, just that dichotomy is so powerful for me in this scene. And then, of course, we see. Gandalf preparing to face this Balrog on his own and doing so recognizing where his capacity is, how he is protecting those with whom he is charged for their care and the confidence with which he faces this. And of course we can look into the battle of good versus evil, past versus present, all of these different opportunities for allegory and the beauty within that. And then to see that, many times, we can have this success. So he essentially sends this Balrog down into the depths of flame and into the shadow from which it came. And we think he's clear. But then there's this moment. And just that last thread, that last tendril, grabs his ankle and pulls him down as well. And they're just considering how we can have these insidious moments where it feels like, right? It seems like on the surface, on the presentation, it seems very likely that we have overcome, that we have made it through, that we have successfully defeated whatever that major significant foe we are facing. And then it can find its way back in. Sometimes right in that moment, right? You think you're through it and you're not, but sometimes it's weeks, months, maybe even years later, that that tendril finds your ankle and pulls you back under. And that can seem tragic, right? Gandalf's friends think he is gone and lost. And they are upset at the loss of their friend, at the loss of their guide, at the loss of hope, potentially. And this gets addressed, of course, later in the films. But just seeing that we might sometimes think we are through and we are pulled back. And that can feel like a loss, like a failure. But what we eventually learn, and if you haven't watched the movies, this would be a spoiler alert moment, but they've been out and available long enough. I'm going to let myself just walk through this and certainly encourage you, pause now, go watch them, right? It's an investment, well worth it. The dividends you will reap are great. 
in your time and in your energy and in your emotional engagement with these films. But it is not the end for Gandalf. And actually, it is a most necessary time of rebirth, recovery, reincarnation, however you want to interpret this experience. And so he falls into the fire and into the shadow. And there are, again, depths of interpretation of this. We're going to take it here in the way that it resonates for me. This is me offering my experience with this scene and seeing it also as it comes up in my own experience. And so being taken to these depths to truly fight and defeat this demon once and for all, right? The fall was not enough to take it down. It was going there too and seeing for Gandalf what was in the depths of his soul, of his experience. And this was the place that was fascinating for me with my daughter who immediately in this scene said, oh, this isn't the end for Gandalf. He's going to come back and he's going to come back better. Again, I don't know what Tolkien wisdom or scholarship she has, but she, not for a moment, thought that anything was lost and saw that this was an opportunity for him to be renewed, reinforced, strengthened, and to realize his full potential. And so we see that. We see when he comes back, right? He had to go through this process of facing this demon, right? We can see that could be his demons as well, to really die and come through in a new way, to let Gandalf the Grey be done, to end that chapter and return as Gandalf the White with new power, new perspective, new resolve, new capacity, new awareness, new confidence and ability to lead the fellowship. All of these amazing pieces that were only possible for having gone into the fire, for having fallen into the shadow and re-emerging. And thinking about those moments in our lives and in the acute time of it, only feeling the heat and the destruction of the fire, only feeling the depths of darkness in the shadow and wondering if ever we will see the light again, but also knowing that shadow exists because there is light, because shadow is not saying only the darkness. It's falling into that space where the light is blocked and the light is often blocked by us. We see our shadow as we stand between the light and the surface upon which it is attempting to reach. And so being very clear that it's not fire and darkness. Fire and shadow is a very different experience. And what it gives us is that time and that space to reflect, to see what's possible, and to come through in a new way, to bring forward what was always within and what needed the fire and the shadow to help fall away those parts that were no longer serving us that might have been helpful in a different stage of life. Gandalf the Grey was a great and successful friend and wizard in that phase of his life and that had to fall away to let Gandalf the White come through in a new way to have new perspective. And so what are those times in our lives when we are in the fire, fighting those demons, pulled back in to something that we thought we had already overcome completely? 
And where are those shadow spaces where we are obstructed from, but not completely prevented from having or seeing the light? It is blocked for a time. And it gives us opportunity to come back as ourselves enriched and renewed or as something totally different. And we could say the self is always there, yes. And there's opportunity for a self that has not ever been realized to actually be fully seen. So that is where Fire and Shadow began for me. And the other scene in The Lord of the Rings that is most profound, and if I had to choose one, this may be the one that has resonated with me so strongly. And every time I know it is upcoming, it's challenging for me because I love it so much and I'm also viscerally bothered so much by which is the point, which is the purpose of this scene. And it is when Pippin sings the edge of night. So he's charged right to sing and they juxtapose this haunting melody against this horrific battle scene and the triad juxtaposition is of Lord Denethor feasting, right? Which again, seems the most inappropriate thing in this time, which is why it is what is taking place. The words and the delivery are so magnificent. I'm not going to sing here. I would not do it justice. I'm going to read the words and I'll put the link to that scene in the show notes. And please do take a moment and listen. If you're familiar with the films, I'm sure you can already hear it in your head as I describe it here. Let's just take in the words and then we'll talk about their resonance. Home is behind, the world ahead, and there are many paths to tread. Through shadow to the edge of night, until the stars are all alight. Mist and shadow, cloud and shade, all shall fade, all shall fade. It's fascinating to me that it is so few words because it feels like such a monumental moment in the film that takes up so much time. And of course it's sung in the pauses in the scenes with which it is overlaid are so powerful. I mean, there is more length to it than just the reading of it here. But seeing that the power in that condensed brief lyric can be so great. And of course, it's delivered by a hobbit. Same message there. Power of delivery and impact is not determined by size, right? Length of words, size of the person, role that they hold. And it doesn't say fire directly, but of course, if you are familiar, fire becomes a very key part of this scene, of this engagement. And same there, right? Sometimes we use fire inappropriately, right? We make assumptions and we assume everything is lost. We burn it all down. When there is life, there is hope, right? There is room for salvaging, for recovery, for changing course. There can be this perspective that we are too far gone right, to walk anything back. But there is always that possibility for hope and for light and for life. And in here, the reference is to mist and shadow, and how interesting, right? Because mist can actually be an antidote to fire. It may take a lot of time and a lot of volume, 
but that can actually be a solution. Mist can also be renewing in different ways, just as fire can. It can also be burdensome. And you might think, no, mist is lovely, but if you were in a constant mist, the constant dampness of it, that can have a deleterious effect on you. And of course, the power of the final lines here, all shall fade, all shall fade, referencing that impermanence of shadow and the opportunity we have to step through it. And in this haunting melody and seeing that hope is represented in places we might not expect, that even in those dire moments, on the edge of battle, on the edge of so much loss, we can see that the mist, shadow, cloud, and shade that we experience in our lives will fade. And if we draw on the possibilities here in this film, right, that rebirth, the renewal, the realization of all the potential that has been, but has actually been obstructed by the way we're currently showing up in our lives, the potential and the possibility particularly for Pippin, right, who is often the troublemaker, has caused different challenges throughout the films to have the capacity to draw into the depths of his soul, to sing this out, and then to show up in subsequent scenes as a hero. And for that to then be acknowledged. And we can take a moment here and talk about the need for or the power of external validation and simply see... Right, that it is possible, that it's available, that we don't need it. Right? We can own our own capacity, worth, worthiness, value internally and not require it of others. But we can also celebrate it when it's offered. And I will say here too, and I didn't actually anticipate this one being a key scene that comes up, but of course, of course it emerges here. My favorite all-time scene really comes at the very close of these films with the return of the king. And they're all standing right atop the building in their different reveals and their acknowledgments. And it's when the four hobbits are standing and they bow to the king. And he offers back, no, you bow to no one. And everyone bows to the hobbits and over and over again. And perhaps it is because it is here in the film after going through so much together. Although I wonder if I just watched that scene what the impact would be. And there's its own question, right? Is the resonance great when we experience it on its own or is it having traveled through all the fire and shadow that makes that moment so powerful? But seeing that, seeing the recognition of these small people, right? Small in stature, massive in heart and bravery and courage and commitment and connection and friendship, to one another and to those with whom they have engaged new friendships and for that acknowledgement of it, for the rest of the realm to see their power and honor their capacity. For that and for them to have walked through fire and shadow in different ways and to interestingly, for most of them to return to what they knew. Right, it wasn't coming back is anything different per se. Right? They didn't change from Gandalf the Great to Gandalf the White. They returned 
to the Shire, to the lives they knew, but with a different sense of appreciation and connection and awareness. And then, of course, for Frodo, he did not return. Right? That was the end of that chapter for him and a new experience. And so for each of us, we may come through fire and shadow in different ways. We may return to the life that we always had and we knew. And we may do so with a new perspective, with perhaps greater appreciation or bravery or a new sense of the boundaries of where we will go and not go in our lives. Perhaps a grander sense of adventure that we want to seek something differently. Perhaps we will maintain a similar home base with different adventures and travels from there. Maybe that will look different. I think about my colleagues in the practice of medicine right now, and we could certainly say this global pandemic has been its own fire and shadow on so many levels. And many have decided to leave medicine in the way they were practicing it. Many are staying in medicine, but shifting the way in which they engage, opening their own practices, changing the culture of the systems in which they work. Many are doing a both and, continuing their practice of medicine, but engaging in other businesses. Maybe it's coaching, perhaps it's real estate, perhaps it's consulting, maybe they're teaching in different ways. But it's through that fire and shadow that they have gained that sense of necessity. Perhaps it's because they saw those original foes and then a much larger, more daunting foe gave them a new perspective. And they went into those depths of fire and of shadow and came out renewed. For some, life looks totally different personally and professionally. And it was only from that time in those depths, in the dark and sometimes dangerous feeling places that the realizations could be made, that bravery is forged in a willingness to step out into a totally new, unanticipated, unexpected situation and way of being becomes possible. And seeing the new depths of understanding as power, recognizing that coming through those darkest places. And I think about that insidious moment, right? Where you think you're through and you get pulled back in. And that being the hardest to come through, perhaps because you think you've already overcome, you can feel like you've already given all you can and it can seem so impossible that you would have anything more to offer. But also knowing that it's from those spaces that the greatest next chapters are written. And I've thought about this a lot and I shared with you when I read the What Happened to You book with Oprah and Dr. Perry and thinking about those stories, right? Those overcoming stories in the world of those greatest heroic moments, those who have made the greatest change in human rights and advocacy, have often come through their own darkest tales, right? Fighting the Balrogs in their lives, going into those depths and falling away to be able to come back as that person, the version of themselves that can face the world in a new way, with a new perspective, with new strength and power. Perhaps you've wondered about that, right? What is your Oprah story, What is the depth of that fall from which you will rise to the greatest heights? And I encourage you to notice those times 
of fire and shadow in your life. And they needn't always be so dramatic, so extreme. But seeing those times when it seems that health and hope are lost, that they are not with you in those spaces. And consider that actually, yes, they are. And you have the invitation to the greatest realization for yourself, for those you love in those. And because of those moments, that the fire is the invitation for the burning away of the excess, of that which is no longer serving the health, which might actually be suffocating. Of course, I can't help but think of this, having lived through wildfire in certain ways, in certain very tragic and traumatic ways, and thinking of it in its natural state, of its purpose, in giving the forest new life, creating space for more air to be breathed, and also seeing, yes, the tragedy and the destruction that it has in the acute phase, and certainly when it happens in unexpected settings. Thinking about those darkest moments of shadow and noticing the beauty of that. Right? Shadow pictures are some of my f- most favorite. And also recognizing that the light is forming the shadow. So it is not gone. It is there and it is showing you to yourself in a new way. And so I encourage us as we round out this final season of this osteopathic life to take a moment and to reflect back and to see how health really is all around. See how being for the health of all things means including and walking through and honoring those moments of fire and shadow, of recognizing the possibility of what is on the other side. And sometimes it's taking that pause because you know when you return, it will be a new you, a renewed you, a reinforced and realized you. And that is where the health of all things, namely you, your soul, your true self are found. I look forward to seeing you for the final episode in this season. I thank you as always for joining me, for holding space, for tuning in, for sharing your experience. And I look forward to seeing what season four will hold. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.